Hello, I'm Meg Walker and welcome to My Kind of People. Join me as I speak to leaders and community members across the world who all share a passion for positive change. Each week we'll explore the power of community, leadership, passion and positivity and the beauty that can be created when these values come together. Each guest has been a big inspiration to me and I'm grateful to call them my kind of people. I hope they'll be yours too. I'm so excited for us all to connect really soon, but until then, I'm sending big love, good vibes and positive energy. Who are your kind of people? In this episode, it is my pleasure to introduce you all to Sissy Radford, a committee member of WISE HK, which stands for Women in Sport Empowered Hong Kong. And Sissy is also the podcast host of In the Changing Room, a podcast all about women in sport. Since the moment I met Sissy, I've been in awe of her positive energy and I can tell you from experience that it only takes a few minutes of being in her company for you to feel empowered to be on the same positive vibration as her. Over the course of this episode, we will get to know more about Sissy and her incredible work to continue empowering women in the sporting world. She is a natural-born leader and her bubbly personality plays a key role in bringing out the best in others. I'm so grateful that she is a part of my community and my kind of people and I'm excited for her to become your kind of person too. Welcome to the podcast, Sissy Radford. Oh, look at that. That was so nice. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. It's so, so good to be here. Oh, you're so welcome and I speak only the truth about you. So as we are welcoming you to the podcast, Sissy, a fun place to start would be to give the audience a little insight as to how we crossed paths. So please, could you tell them how did we meet? Yes, I can. We met on probably a cold and rainy Mm. evening in uh, (laughs) September in Egham, because we met at university, at Royal Holloway University, through um, our women's football team. And we were both uh, players at the club, I think, for a couple of years together, maybe. Certainly at least one. Yeah, no, I think it was three years. Were you a 2011 joiner? I was at Fresh as 11. That was me. Yeah, yeah. So that was me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, so that's how we met, through, through women's football. There we go. Where all, where all great friendships start, really. <laughs> <laughs> and what position were you again? Were you a winger? Oh, no, I do think my position on the field was questionable most of the time. But I, <laughs> certainly my first year, I went where I was told. Yes, as all first years do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Powell was my captain. Abba yeah. Powell was my yeah. captain in, in, uh, in the first year for the twos. I think I started in midfield and eventually made my way to the back, into defence. I'm not too sure. Well, whenever I seem to see you, you were like a little lightning bolt down the wing. I think I just remember being, uh, certainly when like Chrissy Glover would be in goal and she'd just mm-hmm. be like, sis, do this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> just go where the wind blows. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We should probably add as well for any international listeners that we are English. So when we are talking about football, we are also referring to soccer. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, I come across that a lot here, actually, living in Hong Kong. I say football and people are sometimes a bit like, which one? (laughs) Not the one with the big shoulder pads and the helmet. Not that one. (laughs) Yeah, we are lovers, not fighters. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a non-contact kind of person. Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, lightning bolt down the pitch, not hugging midway. 
So before we learn more about your work in sport, I would love for the community to learn a little bit more about you as a person. So where have you grown and flown? Where was your hometown and where would you consider home now? Oh my gosh. Um, I grew up in Nottingham uh, in the UK and was there until I then went down to Egham, down to university in Surrey. <laughs> and actually at university, yeah, stayed there for probably just over another year. I worked at the university once I graduated and then stayed on, studied a bit more. Um, and then just was like, I, I need to do something more. I got to go and find, <laughs> I don't want to say myself, but I think I mean myself. No, um, so I was, um, I went and I did a TEFL, which is a teaching English as a foreign language certification. And I traveled for three or four months around Asia and really randomly ended up in Hong Kong because a girl I went to school with just messaged me randomly on Facebook whilst I was traveling. I must have put that I'd done my TEFL on Facebook or Instagram <laughs> or something. She messaged me to say, hey, I manage this company in Hong Kong. Ever thought about it? Do you want to come and have a job? And I gave Hong Kong a quick Google search, looked on images. I thought, oh, she looks quite cool. Looks nice. <laughs> so, I was like, yeah, okay. So we had a quick Skype. We talked about it. And uh, before I knew it, here I am. And I only ever intended to be here for one year, mm -hmm. but I, I am in love with Hong Kong. It oh. is such a wonderful place. I, I feel very, very, very happy here. And it was like straight away, do you know, like mm. there was not like even a period of time at the start where I was like, oh no, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Like it was, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And I think I'm gonna be here for a while. So right now this is home. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It feels like home. I feel very comfortable here. I have an amazing crowd here and just very, very happy here. So yeah, I'm not sure about the home thing because I don't even know where I'd go back to in England, really. Like certainly like my parents are still in Nottingham. So that's technically home, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. It's a weird one. But right now here in Hong Kong, um, I consider to be my home. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think it is a weird transition, isn't it? I mean, we're both very lucky to have gotten to go to university because not everybody has that opportunity. But in a way, I guess, because you are still in the education system, you continue to follow this kind of linear process. And I think therefore, after university, a lot of people find themselves struggling to work out who they are outside of this education setting definitely definitely and I think it just it was almost a bit like I just kind of kept falling into things you know, like things just kept kind of happening and I, I think at one point I was home and I just kind of took a moment and I was like what do I want to do yeah. what am I you know you know what am I doing what do I want to be and I think um, I'd seen a lot of other people going away and experiencing things and I thought I, I definitely want to do that and I'd done a year abroad as part of my degree. So I had lived abroad mm -hmm. just in France. It wasn't very abroad, but it was a little <laughs> it's just So I had a little bit of an experience, had an amazing year. And I thought, let's go and do another year abroad, which has turned out to be three years abroad. But There we go. Spreading your wings. Why not? <laughs> and where in that journey from Nottingham to Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. Did you develop your passion for both playing sport and also empowering other women to play? Did you always feel like that was your passion? No, 
interestingly, no, I was not a very sporty kid at all. I sort of was like a secretively sporty kid. Like <laughs> I, I really wanted to be a sporty kid. I was desperate to always try and play with my dad and my brother in the garden. And I don't know, I just, it, it was nothing to do with my upbringing, but I just didn't have the opportunities. It mm -hmm. wasn't that I sort of asked and wasn't allowed. I just never asked because I just didn't think that there would be a sporting avenue for me. Mm -hmm. I just did lots of sort of very creative things growing up. I did lots of like musical theatre and instruments. And I had a, I was really lucky with what I was exposed to, but it wasn't sport at all. And I remember the summer before going to university, having a conversation with my dad, asking, what, what do I do at university? Like, <laughs> what do I do with all my time? And he said to me, I really think you should think about joining a sports team because I played a lot of sport at university and I think it would be a really good thing for you to get into. Yes, Dad. And so I was thinking, right, well, what, what sport <laughs> should I do? <laughs> I'm not very sporty, but I, I used to really enjoy kicking a football around mm -hmm. with my brother. And I played a tiny bit of primary school, definitely not after the age of sort of like 10 or 11. And so I remember at University of Freshers Week, I remember saying to some of the girls in my my halls yeah oh is anybody going to go to the sports fair and look at any of the sports teams they were kind of like no not really for me and I was like yeah no me neither no me neither and I, I remember like I was like a naughty child like snuck away to go to the sports things <laughs> so I was like I want to go so I remember just walking around and I sort of signed my name my email address up to a few I think I put cheerleading down netball down I just wasn't really feeling it and then I went over to the the women's football stand. I remember I caught eyes with, do you remember Sabrina? The, of course. The, Sam, she was the yeah. first team captain. And I caught eyes with her. And I remember just like looking at her and just being like, I feel like I need to go and talk to you. <laughs> yes. I just went over. She said, do you want to play football? And I said, I have not really ever played. I, I played when I was 10 in my garden. Um, but I, I really would like to play football. Yeah. She was like, that's fine. She was like, just come. This is the date. This is the whatever. And I legged it out of that sports hall. I get on the phone to mum and dad. I was like, right, dad. I was like, I need shin pads. I need boots. I need socks. I was like, I need it all. I'm going to play football. And bless my parents. I was pretty homesick at the time. So they were coming down a couple of times. Yeah. In my first month. And the next time that they came down, my dad, he'd done like a sports direct shop. But he came with bless shin pads him. and boots. <laughs> So I rocked up to trials and I'd say like my first couple of years at university, it was just kind of like, I loved the playing. And then we were just really lucky at uni, weren't we? Like with the opportunities we had through committees and through the activities that were going on that I was like, wow, this sport has, can open up so much more to me than just standing on the pitch and playing. And, you know, we started to do bits of volunteering and bits of career stuff and, it just really changed me, that whole university experience of sports and seeing what a group of women or group of people even that had one thing in common, which was football, could do together. Yes. Do you know, and it was like they all wanted to do the volunteering together or we really wanted to raise this money together. And I'd not really had a group like that before. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And then since then... That's just really grown everywhere I've gone to. I've tried to find initially always a football team and then it will be a group of women in sport in some way because I just really identify with that kind of group mentality that, yeah. that, that the football team showed me and I just hadn't had that growing up. 
Yeah, like a community. And it's so special that you've been empowered by that and managed to create that anywhere else you've managed to go. And I think sport is such a vast category now. There are so many options. What would you define sports as and what sports do you personally play? What do I define sports as? I think growing up, I think I just really thought that sport was a competitive thing mm-hmm. that and it, right it was just this competitive thing and you were either really good at it or you didn't play it to mm-hmm. me sp- there was no in between sport was a competitive professional thing and i think i have really come to realize the power in sports just the spectrum of sport right mm-hmm. and the idea that you don't have to be a certain way or look a certain way or have a ability to be able to be sporty and enjoy sport and do it. And I think for me, sport is about discovering the power of your body, mm-hmm. the capabilities of your body, and also the power of your mind. And I guess just kind of like exploring that and just kind of letting go of everything yeah. that we go through in the day and just coming together through a physical activity with other people. That for me is what sport is. It's 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 physical therapy, I mm-hmm. think. And I just, the, the benefits of it are just never ending. And what do I play? I play football still. I've Great. played football since uni. Yes. Well, not really at the moment, but, you know, <laughs> we try. And, um, it's, a, it's a difficult year for we, um, Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, but I hike a lot in Hong Kong. We're very lucky. It's a very, very beautiful place, very mountainous, and there's loads of trails, so... I get to hike a lot. I go to the gym quite a lot. Yeah, I've got into a bit of like Mai Tai fighting recently, nice. which I'm terrible at. But <laughs> okay. yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy trying to be a bit, you know, like aggressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we laugh, but I get it. It's like a physical outlet, right? Exactly. And I think it's really important to have these outlets, especially as women, when we are often told we are not allowed to be angry or we're made to feel ashamed when we are. What has playing sport meant to you personally? And why do you think it is such an important contribution to the world? I think playing sport for me has, I think throughout a woman's life, for Mm -hmm. me, this is throughout a woman's life, things I've come to realise is that the odds are kind of stacked against us for, well, first of all, for staying in sport, but also for just kind of, I think for being the most thank you and the best you you can be do you know mm. like from a really young age we're kind of told who we should be and how we should be what we should look like yeah. and we become very critical of ourselves and we we sort of put limitations on ourselves I think all women do it I think mm-hmm. we really put ourselves in boxes we tell ourselves what we can and what we can't do uh, whether we think that we do or we don't I think yeah. I think you do. Um, <laughs> I certainly do. I absolutely do. And I and I and playing sport has made me realize that I'd kind of always done that as a teenager mm-hmm. and growing up. And I for me, it was the moment of realization that actually sport itself can kind of help us transcend those limitations that we ourselves because we really discover the power of our minds and our bodies and what we're capable of. And I think for me, that's why sport is super important to me because it's it, allows me to discover that side of myself and then through it you know you have like a better positive body image or you have higher states of psychological well-being or do you know like it's just so many benefits and then the people that I meet through it 
And I wish I'd had it as a teenager. I, yeah. I wish. I think I'd have been such an awesome teenager if I had <laughs> it. Like, I, 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 I really do. But um, I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to find sports and I'm able to just kind of fight against the sort of pressures that women are under to change or to conform. For me, sport is empowering and it empowers me to believe in who I am and what I'm capable of. And that's what I love about it. Yes, and that's a really beautiful thing. Did you have anyone who inspired you growing up? Did you have a mentor? And particularly, were there any women in sport that you looked up to, even if that was, as you say, a secret sporty girl? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is one of the. I think this is one of the main reasons girls drop out of sport because I don't think there are many female role models, well-known ones that you can look up to. Growing up, I mean, I was exposed to many amazing women through, you know, the activities that I did and my mum being one of them, (laughs) closest to home. Um, My mum is a huge role model of mine and such such a strong woman that I really look up to. And through things that I did through dance and through drama and through lots of other things, there were lots of women and older girls older than me that I looked up to and I really admired and that I thought were amazing. But certainly growing up, Sporting role models, no. I, I truly thought sport was for boys growing up. I think really? there might have been a couple of girls in my school that were sporty, but it just, I don't know, it, it, it just wasn't me. It just it was not a realm I ever thought I could enter. I was just mm-hmm. in my little box of who I was with no belief that I could, <laughs> could break out of the box and be something yeah. else. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of women and girls could relate to that. Although I do think it has been hugely empowering over the last few years to see increased coverage of women-led sports and more platforms for female athletes. I think it's better representation that we've deserved for so long, but there is still such a long way to go. Do you think there are any misconceptions when it comes to women in sport and how has this changed for you over the years and your experience with sport? I think you're right that there has been a huge change and I think it's very slowly getting better. Yes. I think one of the main misconceptions I think in sport in the professional realm Mm -hmm. in terms of what we're exposed to is that I think people we need to stop comparing women's sports to men's sports, i.e. as the same kind of thing. Do you know, like, people will say all the time about Serena Williams, the greatest tennis player. People will say, well, I wonder if Federer could be her. I wonder if Djokovic could be her. But, do you know, we shouldn't be comparing them like that. Do you know? And it's the same with the women's football, England women's football team. You know, people are constantly saying, well, the men would do this, 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 but they are, women's sports and men's sports are different things and women's sports needs to be appreciated in its own right. And that is going to take a long time for it to be stopped, for it to stop being compared to men's sport because all we know really is men's sport. We know men's football, men's rugby. We could all name five male athletes. We would Mm -hmm. struggle to name five female athletes. Do you know, like, it's just the comparison thing that I feel quite strongly about the world stopping and Unfortunately, it's a media thing, Do you know, like the media has fed into the male sporting world, of course, because that's what people have listed in. But if, if the women's game was given more exposure or women's sport was given more exposure, people would be interested in it. But I do think it will take a while for that mentality to shift between comparing the two. And they need to be 
respected, appreciated and recognized as two different games, as two different things. Definitely. I agree. And I think until women's sports are respected in their own right, then it wouldn't be fair to compare them. You can't compare them. No. You need to appreciate them as their own thing. Yeah. And I agree. I don't think that there is the same level of respect across sport at the moment. It just doesn't just don't match up, you know, like mm-hmm. women's women's football, for example. This is I always go for football, it's really what I know. Yeah. Women's football in England, let's say, didn't start up again until the late. 20th century because it was banned for so yeah. long that you know, we're so many years behind the men's game it would be like comparing a child's physical ability to you know someone that's been playing for years and years and years and I don't mean to belittle the women's game by saying that but what I mean is the men's game has had so many years of investment and interest and the women's game really if you think about the time scale of it is quite new So I just think we need to give it time, we need to give it investment, and we need to give it a fresh kind of way of looking at it. You know, it's a different game. I definitely think investment is a huge part of it. It would be like having a race and you've given one person a sports car and you've given the other person a push bike. You know, who do we think is most likely to come first? (laughs) Exactly. A competition one person gets one pound the other person gets a hundred pounds they've got to make something or well, we know who's gonna win you know? exactly. <laughs> or who's I, gonna have the better start exactly and i'm so glad you brought up investment because it's so vital in making sport more accessible the investments definitely need to be there for women in sport and we're slowly starting to see more investment but you're right i think it's going to take a long time to see the shift And I think there are still a lot of men who don't understand the frustration we feel in having to continue to wait. My dad and I were literally having this same conversation about football the other day. And he was really struggling to see my point of view. And I pointed out to him how privileged it is to have that point of view because he's so rarely experienced having to be invited to play a sport or having to play three times as hard just to earn a place on a pitch because the resources and doors have always been open to him. You mentioned that football in particular has been your sport. What has your experience been with team sports and how has this differed from any sports that you've played individually? Team sports for me are just therapy, to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. I have just... I adore team sports and I, I think there's just some real magic in team sports, you know, <laughs> just the idea that you get to know this group of people and sometimes you don't even get to know them. Like I don't even know someone's surname or I don't <laughs> yeah. really know anything about them, but I've seen them cry and I've seen them be really angry or I've seen them be super happy or I've seen them standing on a table in a bar singing, do you know? Yes. But like, I don't know anything about them. Right? But like, <laughs> yeah. There's something really magic in the connection of team sports mm-hmm. and the idea that people from all different walks of life, different ages, especially certainly here in Hong Kong, we've got expats from all over the world. We've got local Hong Kong girls. We've got younger, we've got slightly older. Mm-hmm. But when we're on that pitch, the 11 of us all have the game in common. And I just mm-hmm. think that that's magic. And it's just not something that you you get in many other areas, you know, and to see people that probably wouldn't cross paths in day-to-day life coming together on that pitch, supporting each other, picking each other up, motivating each other is really special. I think really, really special. 
You know, I think with individual sports, there's only so many times you're really an individual. Let's say with a swimmer or, I don't know, a runner or something, they will always have a team around them. And I think the importance is the team thing, right? You're never, you're, it's never really just you. You Mm -hmm. you can achieve very little on your own and, Mm -hmm. you know, you need your coaches, your mentors, your supports, your, your psychological supports, your physical supports, your nutritional supports. And that's the, it's always a team, I think. Just very lucky that in the sports that I've played, there's always been quite a lot. Um, yeah. And, you know, they've always been women that I've really, really connected with and identified with and just had such fun with. Even last year, my football team here in Hong Kong, we had a really bad run. We, oh, were, no. <laughs> we were so we were in Division Two, and then we won, and we went up to Division One. And oh my goodness, we were not ready for Division One. Truly, like we were getting battered, but we would just, you know, we would turn up to training in the week. We would pick ourselves up, and we'd be like, "Do you know what? Let's just give this a go." And we yeah. put our boots on on a Saturday night when our games were. And we would all kind of look at each other. We would know what would be about to happen. Yeah. We know it's not going to go very well. We're looking at the other team. They're doing this drill. They're all putting balls in the top corner. So we're like, we, we know what's going to happen here. <laughs> we know this isn't going to go very well. But, you know, we stuck together. And until that last minute whistle, we were encouraging each other. And we were pulling each other up. And we were motivating each other. And no one gets at each other. You know, no one gets annoyed with one another. And yet it feels like poop. To, to yeah. lose, <laughs> see the goals, the balls going in the net. It feels rubbish, it, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's not a nice feeling. But I think when you can find a team that can come off of that pitch and they can give each other a hug and they can kind of just be like, "Let's go and have something to eat. Let's go and have a drink." You know, it is what it is. Yeah, and we get on with it. We take something from it and we go again next week. Amazing. I think is is special. Yeah, I think it's such a good attitude to have. And I totally agree. I've always found team sports to be like a community, or at least I've been lucky enough to feel like I'm part of a community when playing them. And you're so right. It feels so magical having gotten to experience that. It feels so great to be able to come together with others to reach for a common goal and a shared passion. And I've mentioned it earlier, but I've always found you to be such a natural leader. How do you think your involvement in these team sports has contributed to your leadership skills? And do you feel a greater sense of responsibility to accomplish a goal when you are working as part of a team? Well, that's a very nice thing to say, first of all, about being a leader. You're very welcome. Um, I do think that playing team sports has added to my it kind of the way in which I hold myself accountable. Do you know when you're in a team, you, if I don't turn up to training, I am letting quite a lot of people down. Do you know, I'm not just letting myself down. I'm, I'm, I'm letting a group of people down or I'm changing something that the coach had had planned, do you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think team sports had, has made me more of a responsible person and has helped me to hold myself accountable a lot more. In terms of leadership, yeah, I think everybody in a team sport, even if you've never had a go at being the captain or you've never been in charge of a team, I think everybody in a team sport takes a turn at being a leader, whether they know it or not, because there's going to be a time where even the biggest characters on the team or the most confident, they need a little little something-something, you know? And I think that you naturally develop good leadership skills through through playing sport, whether it's 
you know, taking an initiative to organize a social activity or taking an initiative to run one more lap or do this one more thing or keep going for these last five minutes. I think I remember the first time that I like spoke on a football pitch. (laughs) I think at Holloway at university, I was just so scared. And I remember Mm -hmm. any captain or coach would always be like, girls, you need to talk more. None of you are talking on the pitch. But I was like, your voice I, am so, I am so <laughs> embarrassed to open my mouth. I have no idea what to say. I'll say the wrong thing and something will go wrong. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just so scared. But I remember the first time, I think I might have just said something like, go on, <laughs> like really, really quietly. But as soon as I started to do that, do you know, like, I feel like once you can shout on a football pitch to your team to be like, girls, let's go. Yeah. Five more minutes, keep going, next time. Blah, 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 blah. I feel like once you can do that, you can kind of do anything. Oh, it's so <laughs> empowering. <laughs> yeah. It is. And I think, yeah, I do think that everybody on a team, whether you are the, the technical leader or not, leads in some way. Definitely. And it's funny that you told your story about the Freshers' Fair and Sab, Sabrina Purser, being the first person you spoke to because she was also the first person I spoke to and I was always so inspired by her on the football pitch. The Holloway team used to have a phrase called Sab's ball. Yeah, yeah. You just hear Sab's ball. (laughs) She was such an incredible defender. And I remember as a woman who was only two years younger than her, I had so much admiration for her and how she was able to have so much ownership over that ball. She just had this mindset of that ball is mine and I'm going in. And I was completely blown away by that. And it got me starting to think, wow, yeah, I could do that. I mean, I couldn't. (laughs) It still took me a lot longer to find my courage and my voice on the pitch. I'd really like to be able to do that. I mean, Chrissy Glover was the same. I just remember watching her one game like, oh, my gosh, she shouts so much. How does she have the confidence to shout like that? Yeah, they just had this fearlessness that I had so much admiration for and I think many of us could aspire to. So thank you, ladies, if you are listening. It was so inspiring, even just the symbolism of a woman taking an opportunity and taking ownership of that ball. I was like, yes. But it's, it's so empowering, yeah. As I mentioned in the introduction, you're also the host of In the Changing Room podcast. When was that created and what do you hope it will contribute to the world? Yeah, this was, do you know, for a few years I've wanted to start a podcast and I have just kind of been going back and forth with ideas for ages thinking, what will I do? Do you know, I love to talk, Meg, and I have a lot to say. (laughs) And I just kind of felt like everybody around me was getting sick of hearing me. So I was like, fine. I'll do a podcast then. I'll, I'll say little. it through a microphone. <laughs> exactly. And you don't have to listen, but you should listen. Yeah. Um, so it, the idea was kind of born around this time last year, I would say, around the end of 2019. And then I got it going around March, April time, sort of like took advantage of this COVID situation. I was like, here we go. I have Great a bit time. more time on my hands. Let's do it. Let's go now. And I think in the last couple of years, I... I've kind of, similar to what you sort of asked me earlier, I've questioned what it is to be a woman in sport. Like, what Mm -hmm. does that mean to me? What does that look like? And coming to Hong Kong, I, for one of the first times since university, 
met a lot of people that were not sporty a lot of women that were not sporty mm-hmm. I think because at university I just got in this bubble of women's footballers yeah. and then after graduating all my friends were women's footballers yeah. right and I played for a team then I sort of moved to Hong Kong and I was like oh like where are the women's footballers yeah. <laughs> where are these women's where are the women in sport you know mm-hmm. certainly initially and it really got me thinking about why do some people the idea why does the idea of sport to some women really terrify them or really mm-hmm. throw them off and I, and I started to think all about you know, the experiences of girls growing up or women growing up, what the world tells us and what sport looks like to someone that's not been exposed to sport. And I kind of just wanted to create something that I guess raised awareness of every woman that's in sport. So whether it was an Olympian showing off an amazing athlete that has trained her whole life to be the best she can be, or whether it was a woman that is a teacher or she has a job in business and actually sport is a hobby for her and it's a really important hobby for her. Yeah. I really believe that there is a place for all women in sport and that sport has a place for all women. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they need the opportunity to see that and to discover that. And I hope the aim of my podcast was to raise awareness of that, to allow women to see that sport does not discriminate. A woman in sport does not look a certain way. and you know the value of sport in a woman's life can be immeasurable and that was really what I wanted my podcast to be about was to show the term women in sport is not as scary as some people might think it is and it it can be for anyone and I think I felt a real sense of satisfaction after my first episode went out and one of my friends here her name is Siobhan she was listening to it and she texted me and she said I just listened to your podcast episode and I was really shocked that she yeah. said that because I was like I Siobhan is like in my, like I don't think she's very sporty I don't know mm-hmm. like she hikes a little bit but like she's not really like a, a sport kind of person yeah she was like I'd never really thought about being sporty and I'd never really thought about playing sport but your podcast has really made me think about maybe I could maybe I could be sporty yeah. or maybe I could try sport and I was like Yes, I think I was on a bus at the time. And I wanted to just like knee slide down the center of the bus. I was like, yes, I was like, I'm so happy. So awesome. for me, the podcast is just just to try and make the Siobhans of the world realize that there's a place for them to play sport and it's for everyone. And we should get the girls in it from young. Even if you miss the boat, as you might think, mm-hmm. there's a time and there's a place for everyone. And I, I really think everybody should be exposed to in what I believe to be the life-changing benefits of playing sport. Yes. And I, for one, am so grateful that you've created the podcast, not only for all of the Siobhans in the world, but for all of the other names too. I think the work you are doing is so important and it makes me feel really hopeful, especially for young women who are growing an interest in sports. I think it's so powerful to hear the voices and experiences of other sporting women. And I know it's a platform and a level of encouragement that would have had such a positive impact on myself growing up. Because when I was younger, I definitely was and still proudly am sporty spice. But despite loving sports, I didn't ever feel fully accepted into those sporting communities back then. And I hadn't had the greatest sporting experiences. Like yourself, I really loved to play football and I grew up watching my brother play every weekend. 
And being a very outgoing child, there was no way I was just going to stand and watch from the side of the pitch. I was like, I want to be involved. But when my parents and I looked into how I could play football, there were such limited options for me. There were no local girls teams around at the time. So if I wanted to play, I had to be the only girl on a boys team. And even if I was allowed to play on a boys team, it was often not met with a very welcoming reception from both the boys and embarrassingly some of their parents too. And unfortunately, if I did want to still play football, then it had to be part of some extracurricular activity after school because even school curriculums at the time did not value football as a female sport. The message was very much that they'd prefer girls to play sports like netball. Mm -hmm. And even at break times when we should be playing football in a playground for fun, I'd always be so envious of the boys who could just rock up and play. Oh my gosh, I was always dying to play with them, yeah. Right? So girls could never just play football in the playground. We always had to work and train twice as hard as any of the boys just to prove that we're even worthy of a place or a pass on the pitch. But even with all of those negative experiences, I still count myself so lucky to even have had an after-school girls football club at primary or secondary school, as I know many girls didn't even have that as an option. And Mr. Edwards, Mr. Taylor and Mr. J are three male teachers who I hugely admire as they went out of their way and gave up their own time after school to make a girls football club an option as they didn't think it was fair and thought that we should be given the same equal opportunities as the boys. And they really did put so much energy into making that happen. And so I will always be grateful to them for striving to make that positive change. So like yourself, it wasn't until I was 18 and I went to university that I finally felt fully welcomed into the sporting community. Mm -hmm. And it was so powerful to hear your experience at Freshers because I can still remember my absolute amazement and excitement when I turned up at the Freshers Fair. And not only did they have a women's football team, but because of the high demand in our year, they had decided to create three teams. It was like Christmas Day. And I just had this overwhelming feeling of joy and acceptance. Do you think it's improved at all since university? Do you think it is easier now to find those opportunities? I think that we should acknowledge that it is still terrifying for women Mm -hmm. to get into sport. And especially women that have not played sport like I imagine Mm -hmm. now I think of some of my friends now as well mid to late 20 year old women Mm -hmm. and even women older than that the idea of rocking up at a training session for a sport because you want to give it a try is terrifying and Uh I think a huge amount of credit has to be given to any woman that tries to do that because it is it is scary and I think what needs to happen is there needs to be well first of all the grassroots game needs to change right Mm -hmm. so there needs to be more opportunities for girls that were like you and I that just wanted an easy way in to play football, right? Or to play a sport. 
grassroots needs to be hugely improved. That, that, and that is getting there. There are more opportunities. I don't really know. I don't really know many kids in <laughs> grassroots age. <laughs> but like, yeah, that I believe that that is improving. One thing I feel very passionately about now is creating opportunities for the everyday woman to play sport. Yes, and I think this is so important. Last year, I helped to set up this initiative called Hong Kong United, which was basically Hong Kong has quite like a like a perfectionist kind of culture, especially for women, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're not really good at something, you shouldn't do it. That's like oh, really a thing yeah. here. You, you should be good at something and it's quite embarrassing not to be good at something. So there are zero recreational sporting things for women, really like an entry level thing. And my, my coach and I last year, we realized this. And so we, we set up this initiative. We always had training on a Monday night we set up this thing together that was called Hong Kong United. And basically we just put out word around Hong Kong on Instagram, on everything that we could, that we had a whole pitch. Our women's team had a whole pitch and we would move to half a pitch. And the other half of the pitch, we would just open for any woman that yes. wanted to come and kick a football around. You can wear your Converse, you can wear your denim shorts. You don't have to have any of the gear. You don't have to have any idea. Just mm-hmm. come and kick a football around it's totally free and just come and have a go and I think maybe we had five turn up at our first session but after five sessions we were engaging with I want to say around 20 you know each week and people would really be like this is amazing like I'm and you know I would look over because I would train with the women's team I would kind of hop over a bit I would look over and there were women there from the ages of 18 I don't like to put a number on women but I'm going to say up into the 40s some of the women that were there maybe older they were laughing like they were kids and they were just having so much fun and it was just so magic to see and so I think one thing that needs to change is those kind of opportunities Mm -hmm. for women because we need to create safe spaces for women to come into sport because if you haven't played sport and you haven't done it how do you start do you know how do you get into that if you haven't had the university opportunity like you and I had Mm -hmm. or the opportunities as, as a teen or you haven't had a friend to take you along how do you do it? It's terrifying. And so I think one thing I'm quite committed to now is I hope that wherever I go, whatever I do, I hope that I will try to create those opportunities because I think it's really scary. <laughs> I don't want it to be scary. <laughs> For sure. And I absolutely love what you have created. I think it's incredible what you've managed to achieve with that team. And I really do feel the same with your podcast. I absolutely love the podcast and the concept. I've been listening to it over the last few weeks and I've been so inspired by the women that you've had as guests on the show. And having started my own podcast recently, I constantly find myself in awe of the value that each guest brings and how much I'm learning from them. Are there any standout lessons you've learned from hosting in the changing room or from starting these new sporting initiatives? Oh my gosh, from in the changing room, I would say every guest I interviewed taught me something huge and inspired me in a different way. Each person inspired me in a different way, whether it was to learn a little bit more about my health as a woman or whether it was to push myself that little bit further to achieve something or whether it was to try and be a little bit kinder to myself, my mind, and my body. Mm-hmm. They all taught me something. Um, and I really took something away from each person. And I'm so grateful for, for all of them. But I, yeah, the, the whole experience for me, it just confirmed for me that the women's sports community has the power to be so influential. 
And the women certainly that I've interacted with through the podcast that are in this sporting arena, I want to say yeah. that was the word that came to me. I think it's <laughs> a sporting word. They are so empowered and they're so strong and they're so sure of themselves and they're so, they're just very, very self-assured people. And I, I believe that sport has given them that. I'm sure amongst other things, but I think that was my biggest takeaway was that these women are so amazing and they all have one thing in common, which is that they're all sporty. So that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. And the dedication that each guest had shown to their sport and Every woman you have interviewed has been so humble about their achievements too. Right. I know. Such nice people. I was like, wow, these people are all so nice. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was listening and thinking, are you hearing what I'm hearing? Because everything you are saying is so impressive. (laughs) I'll say it one more time. Yeah. You went to the Olympics. One more time. You went to the Olympics. Now, be a little bit of a sassy celebrity for me okay yeah they truly are incredible and they each have their own inspiring story and you are also a very inspiring host sissy for so many reasons but as well as the podcast you are also a committee member for wise hk and it really does seem like you are taking every opportunity that you can to connect with other women in sports As both a member and a leader of sporting communities, what does community mean to you? And how has your idea of community evolved as you've grown as a person? I think definitely, yeah, because I think to me, community starts with yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. so your one constant community will be who you are. Yeah. And that will be your constant. But other than that, I think your community changes all the time. And I think now I see community as the people I have around me. And I think that based on who you are, you will attract similar people to you. Always. Mm -hmm. You attract the people that you are quite similar to. And eventually then you will have your little community of people who share your beliefs and your ethos. And together you kind of build and demonstrate kind of how you want to operate. Since being here in Hong Kong, I've managed to find myself with lots of women in sport and I surround myself a lot of the time with very like-minded women. But I also think, you know, like wise, as you were saying, I also think then, so there's you, I sort of see it as almost like a, like a multi-layer thing, like an uh-huh. onion, right? So there's you, and then there's your, your shared beliefs community. And then there's the outer community that you interact with all the time. Yes. But maybe, maybe you don't have loads in common, but actually you influence them with your beliefs and they mm-hmm. influence you. So for example, here at my work in Hong Kong, I'm a teacher and we have sort of like receptionist staff who are local Hong Kong people. And the journey I've had with my receptionist and my admin staff has been (laughs) remarkable because we are in each other's communities. We see each other every single day, Mm -hmm. but we are such different people. Mm -hmm. They will say things sometimes, like if I come in with my sports bag, because I'm going to play football in the evening, you know, they'll say things like, why are you doing that? Why? you know, you shouldn't do that. Like you shouldn't run around, you know, you're a girl. Like, oh, leave wow. that mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, do you know, I wear my hair up a lot and I always wear trousers. And so mm-hmm. they'll, they'll often tell me I look like a boy. Like a lot of the time. And just, we have okay. very different cultures and ways of saying things and ways of communicating things. But I would like to think that I have influenced them a little bit by talking to them about how it's okay for me to wear my hair in a bun and wear trousers. Like that yeah. doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Or, you know, actually 
sport is for women too and maybe you guys could try like maybe we could try and I went hiking with one of them once yes. which was like a huge breakthrough <laughs> we had to go buy trainers for her they go hiking but I think you have that out and, and they bring things to me as well they teach yeah. me a huge amount you know that their culture here and the way they think has really influenced me as well and I think for me that's sort of how I see community so me and then the people that I really share values and beliefs mm-hmm. with And then like everybody else who I think it's really important not to just kind of shut the door and be like, you're really rude. I can't believe you called me a boy for the fifth time this week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I'm going to try and converse with you and try and understand why maybe you think like that and understand that you think like that because of where you've grown up and maybe what you've been exposed to. Not because that's necessarily what you think. That's what I see. Yeah, and I think that's so important because if we shut the door on our differences, then that person will never feel like part of our community and will never be able to learn from each other. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, I'm really happy to have those conversations with them. Do you know, I'm mm-hmm. really happy to talk to them about being a girl that runs. <laughs> Do yeah. you know, like running around, it's okay. And yeah, I'm really happy to and I... I'm really happy to learn from them as well. And I think it's a two-way thing. You're right. And I think that exposure is really important. It's like you were saying about the surprise of seeing a girl in trousers. But where we come from, that's now pretty normal. And we are seeing that more with my more. students as well. My students all the time, <laughs> they'll say, why, why do you not wear more makeup? Why do you not try a bit harder? Why do you always wear your hair up? Why do you wear trainers? And, you know, it's like, it's really difficult with your students because mm-hmm. primarily my job is to teach them English, but I do try to infiltrate little bits of information in to be like, do you know, a woman doesn't <laughs> look a certain way. I know toilets all around the world have told you that she's wearing a red dress, but actually yeah. she doesn't always wear a red dress. You know, <laughs> she can, she can sort of wear whatever she wants, but it's little, little interjections I try. Yeah. And it's these conversations that are so important. And I think, it's vital to have role models that are different from you. Um, Otherwise, we're all aspiring to be the same. I think it's such a key thing that you've picked up on there because it's really important to bring people into your community that do have different views from our own because that is what really does encourage us to evolve, right? Uh Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And And how boring life would be if we were just always with people that thought exactly the same as us. You know, I think it's vital that forever we we teach and we learn I think that's key a hundred percent and I must say I think from the second I met you I don't think I've ever seen you without a smile on your face or laughing either off or especially on the football pitch I'm aware that of course it's not possible to be a hundred percent positive a hundred percent of the time but you so often manage to bring this positive energy to the spaces that you enter. How do you try and keep your positivity? What motivates you? Um, I think with staying positive, I think it's really important to, for me, the people that are around me are really important. And I think quite quickly, I know if someone's going to be a very positive influence in my life. And it's not that I sort of shut the door on those that aren't, Mm -hmm. but I I think having a positive circle around you is really key. Mm -hmm. Having friends that build you up and support you and motivate you and encourage you is really, really important. I think one thing that I've really tried harder to do this year, because it has been a hard year for Mm -hmm. all of us, 
I think gratitude, and I, I've read a lot about gratitude and I've listened to a lot of podcasts about gratitude. And it's really easy, I think. I, I listened to one podcast once that basically said, you know, we could all do three things that we're grateful for every day. Easy. Mm. Health, friends, family. Fine. But, I, I, you know, I tried this technique based on this podcast of really trying to give specific things you're grateful for. So I tried to do it before I fall asleep. I used to write it down, but I don't anymore. I just kind of do it mentally. Yeah. Just as I put my phone away and I lie there and I think, okay, I'm going to try and pinpoint three things in my day that I'm super grateful for that were really great. So whether it was a child I teach that is usually an absolute nightmare, (laughs) it's actually quite pleasant today. I'm really grateful for that. Or whether it was, I don't know, it could be anything. It could be Mm -hmm. very specific. So I try and do that. I try and give myself a lot of positive self-talk. Yeah, I don't know. I name my negative thoughts and I name my anxiety. So it's almost like a character. So like, I, you know, she's called Nancy. My anxiety is called Nancy. (laughs) I love it. So, so, So when I feel negative or I feel anxious, which by the way is a lot of the time, like I feel very anxious a lot of the time. Anxiety is something I, I struggle hugely with, but I know who she is. I always, I talk to her. I'm like, Nancy, I know what you're doing. (laughs) <laughs> you know like you're not I know fooling me you're, Nancy. you're, you're not like, fooling anyone yeah, that's it <laughs> not today not today Nancy. but I think yeah it's that it's kind of just talking nicely to yourself being kind to yourself one thing my mom and she didn't come up with this this was someone famous came up with this but my mom used to always say that everything will pass I think the, the famous quote is this too shall pass yes right? and I think that this can be a really really grounding thing to tell yourself so mm. If you're having a bad hour, a bad day, a bad week, knowing that it will end, that it will inevitably end. Mm. You know, it's not going to last forever. For me, helps. Do you know, if I'm having a really bad moment or I'm having a really terrible night's sleep and I'm awake and I'm worrying, just knowing it will, morning will come. You know, yeah. and if I'm having a bad day, the night will come. But that is a double-edged sword because it can be quite terrifying if you're having a really wonderful period of your time to think it's going to end. So that one, I, it's taken a bit of time for me to kind of work good balance with that one because it's both reassuring and terrifying at the same time. But I think yeah, just trying to see the gratitude in things, trying to be grateful, talking nicely to myself, reminding myself of the things that I'm doing well at, yeah. having good people around me. I try to give off to other people what I would like from them, you know, yeah. talking to them, supporting them, motivating them. And knowing that the negative is fine, you know, like I think I struggled with that initially where I was like, oh, uh, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel negative? But just coming to terms with the fact that it's okay to have a rubbish day or a rubbish week, you know, you can't be 100% all the time. Yes, it's so necessary. I think, to have moments of mercy and to be able to give into those moments when you need to and let them pass through you. It's always about coming back to the present moment. And I can relate so strongly with a lot of what you've just said to the point that I did a 10-day meditation retreat a couple of years back to try and help combat my anxiety And the biggest takeaway lesson I learned from my experience was this will also change. So I've actually since designed a ring for myself that I wear every single day that has the words, this will also change, scribed on the inside of it. And that always reminds me that I'm going to have good moments in life 
And I'm also going to experience bad moments. But each one of those moments is necessary. And each one of those moments will pass. And it's like you said, it's learning to create that balance, that equanimity of being present and enjoying those good moments, but also knowing that the good moments won't last forever. But it's just as important to learn that the bad won't last forever either. And it's by experiencing both that we learn to appreciate life more, both the blessings you're going to have from the joyful experiences and the lessons you'll learn from the difficult ones. Exactly. And I think what you've said is really powerful. So thank you for being so vulnerable in sharing that. And hopefully you realize by now that I am genuinely a big fan of yours and of your podcast. And of course, all of the empowering work you continue to do. I am therefore very keen for more people to hear and experience your work. So how can they do this and where can they find you? Oh, you're so kind. Um, so my podcast is called In The Changing Room. And on Instagram, we are In The Changing Room Pod. And we are on we are on the Apple Podcast app and Spotify. Um, just In The Changing Room. That's where we are. And yeah, I'm starting season two in this month and yeah got some got some good people lined up we're gonna gonna go again do another batch so i'm very excited so yeah i really appreciate you listening as well it's so nice i love hearing that people are enjoying it and people are listening so i i hope to i hope to keep doing it for a little while oh please do continue because as i said i genuinely wanted you on the podcast as i've been lucky enough to experience your energy firsthand And it's been incredible to see your journey and how you've continued to grow and empower other women. The podcast is such a beautiful and important resource. Just from this conversation alone, we've discussed that as two 27-year-old women, we've both had similar experiences in feeling like sports were not fully accessible to us. And the more guests you have on your podcast, the more it seems to be becoming a common theme. So yes, in the changing room, go check it out. I wished I'd had that resource when I was younger. And please be inspired by all of these incredible women, Sissy included. So before we end the show, Sissy, can you think of any last words of positive advice that you would like to leave us with that have served you well? Positive words. I think one thing I've come back to my mum. My mum's always told me some good things. I love your my mum. My mum has always said to me, and this is this is something that I I carry with me as a, a as a really reassuring thing. From a very young age, my mum has always said that you are always going to be a work in progress. You will never be the finished shiny product so that true. society tells us that we're going to be. We're never ever going to arrive. She used to say. <laughs> You can, you know, you can be whatever age and still not have a clue. She used to always say, she said, I don't know anything. I haven't got anything figured out. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I don't even know what I'm passionate about yet. Maybe I haven't even figured this. And I think just stopping to compare yourself to other people, to where they're at, what they're doing. Okay, yeah, 50% of my friends in England are getting engaged and are buying houses and are doing all these things. But like... <laughs> I can easily relate with you there. We're all, yeah. Do you know, we're all a 
work in progress. We're all on our own paths. We're on our own journeys. And as long as you are trying to be everything that you are Mm -hmm. and who you are and, you know, sort of following following a, a path of sorts, your own, you know, and I think forever being curious and learning and combining sort of passion and strength and doing you, you know, yes. and making mistakes and getting it wrong and not striving for perfection, you know, and just kind of, it's okay to be on a different path to other people. It's okay to, I don't know, turn 40 and not as a woman not be married and not have kids and not understand what you're doing and maybe not be in the job you want forever that's fine it's yes. okay <laughs> so, like, um, so I think that that is something I remember a lot we are a work in progress we always will be yes being your messy authentic self that's the universal truth that we've all got Sissy Radford, it has been so much fun to talk to you. Thank you for being vulnerable and for bringing your true self to the conversation today. I love and appreciate you. Thank you for always trying to connect and empower people in any space you enter. Thank you for being such a strong advocate for women in sport. And thank you for being my kind of person this is the best way to spend a saturday night i i I enjoyed this a lot thank you so much for having me and i good with it all i hope it goes great i hope it goes really well it has most definitely been an evening well spent thank you so much for your time and energy Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of My Kind of People. I hope you felt the positive energy from this week's guest. If this episode was of value to you, then please rate, review and subscribe. It's so greatly appreciated. Thanks again.